And here we are, folks. Thanks for joining us for another episode, the June 15 episode of Bass Edge Radio. As always, a big shout out to our partner, MegaWare Keel Guard, providing boat owners protection from grinding salt, abrasive sand, and concrete boat ramps. See all the MegaWare boating accessories at keelguard.com. And uh, a reminder, make sure you hit subscribe on that YouTube channel. Also, any of those other streaming platforms you're using to listen to us here at Bass Edge Radio. For sure, you don't want to miss another episode. Be sure to like it, share it, and comment. Let us know what you think of the program. So, uh, be great to hear. Uh, Let's get right into it. We're going to break down some of the uh, most recent happenings in the bass and tournament world. Uh, Earlier this month on the Sabine, or Sabine, some of the Cajuns might say, the the Sabine River over there in Orange, Texas. Uh, For me, another fun event to watch. I know a lot of fans aren't big into the low weight game, but man, I think it just shows a whole lot of strategy um, not so much different techniques, but but a lot of strategy and, and mental uh, awareness of these anglers, and, and it's cool to see them like in a different environment. Um, I, I fished a couple of events on the Sabine. I really enjoy the fishery. I love the tidal water aspect that it brings into the game, and the fact that they can travel a long ways. Houston. Clear Lake area, not a big part of this event this year, but a guy that's been to Clear Lake in that Houston area in the past, Brock Mosley, comes out on top. Shout out to Brock. He finished second several times in Elite Series events in the past, but uh, finally got that big win. Um, two-pronged approach for Brock. Uh, fished close there to Orange, catching some topwater fish early in the morning. Uh, looked like a big, uh, like a, I don't say a big, but a, uh, a marina area, kind of a, a dugout ditch, canal area where, where some of these fish were, were you know, staging or, or, you know, kind of early summer, getting close to some of that deep water stuff as, as the fish were well into the, past this post-spawn and into the early summer uh, patterns there. But then running over to Taylor's Bayou, pretty big run he was making over there. I think it's about a 40-minute run from Orange, Texas to uh, catch a couple key fish throughout the week as well. But, uh, man, that, that's been a lot a lot of fun to watch. Um, the AOY race, man, heating up after that. I think they've got three events left on that Elite Series schedule. Primarily smallmouth fisheries going to St. Clair, Champlain, and Thousand Islands. It's going to be neat to see how the standings shake up as we move north. I really think if you look at, like, the top ten right now, kind of typical guys that have done well in the south, and um, or fish the elite series a long time, going to some of these fisheries over and over again. We're going to go to those fisheries again with Thousand Islands and Champlain, but a little wrinkle there in that next event at St. Clair. So it'll be neat to see how those uh, shape up. Um, Matty Wong, want to mention, made his first top ten, finished third place over there at the Sabine Elite Series event. Very cool. We're going to have him on today's show, see how he got into that top 10, had a great finish, and um, y'all want to stay tuned for that. We're going to talk to Maddie about all things bassing. Uh, the MLF Bass Pro Tour on Cayuga just finished up. 
completely amazing smallmouth sight fishing. Uh, after the knockout round, it took almost 26 pounds. I think it was 25-15. Uh, Kevin Van Dam snuck into that championship round in 10th place. But down to 15th place in that event after the knockout round, uh, one day of fishing, you needed 25 pounds just to crack 15th place. So, man, Cayuga on fire. Saw a couple of big largemouths caught, but but the big key there was, was betting smallmouth. A lot of fun to see. Shout out to Adrian Avina, angler out of Jersey. Um, you know, Adrian's been on tour a long time. First started with FLW Tour uh, probably 12, 13 years ago. It's been a long time. But uh, finally getting that first national win. So congratulations to Adrian Avina. Man, I have been uh, absolutely jamming these last couple weeks. It's been a, a wild time with my uh, youth fishing event. And um, down here at Lake Amistad, I think it's my 13th year. Pro Bass Camp. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, fishing a little tougher than normal. Still catching a lot of fish. Most boats catching 25, 30 fish a day. Heard reports of some anglers catching 60 to 80 fish a day. Uh, we're going to have Dave Mansu coming up in the showcase segment. We're going to be chatting briefly about that process with the Pro Bass Camp. But most importantly, how this technique, the free rig, kind of took over what was going on there at the camp. A whole lot of instructors fishing the free rig, catching a lot of fish with that. Dave is going to come in with us and kind of break that down in just a few minutes. And you all don't want to miss hearing about it. Everyone hang tight. We're going to return here in just a few minutes, man. Another educational, fun, exciting episode of Bass Edge Radio. Don't go anywhere. This is going to be a good one. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So choose the protection the pros pick. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. The MegaWare KeelGuard is made tough and made to stick. Install it yourself in less than an hour. Providing the most dependable, most trusted protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Insist on the original KeelGuard the pros have picked for 25 years. MegaWare KeelGuard. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champion. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Got my buddy Dave Mansu in that in that shadow. What's going on, Dave? Uh, former BASS touring professional guide up there in the Midwest on mostly Table Rock Lake, but but Dave will show you around Bull Shoals and, and a few other few other great fisheries up there in that area. Dave, welcome to the program, man. Glad you're with us today. What's happening? Good time, Kurt. 
<laughs> Man, I'm doing real good. I, I appreciate you stopping your vehicle. I know you're you're on the way back from a solo pro event over there at Grand Lake. Man, um, tell me how the conditions are currently up there, mid-June, Midwest. What are you seeing out there, Dave, after spending the day on Grand Lake? Well, Grand Lake is uh, it's actually at full pool, which uh, is, is kind of odd for this time of year. Um, they've had a bunch of rain there. Uh, it's got a good stain to it in most places. Um, I, uh, I I just I couldn't figure it out in one day's practice, but uh, I was able to get a get a small limit today for the tournament, uh, which you know I was I was happy to get five. Um, I did uh, I do know that some guys were catching them offshore, uh, you know, on the longer points um, with jigs and Carolina rigs and things of that nature. Um, I just couldn't find them out there, so. I stuck a flipping stick in my hand and and uh, flipped some bushes and flipped some docks and just had some fun all day. Very nice. What are you looking at at water temps up there? I know uh, you only had one day of practice because you were down here with the uh, Pro Bass Camp at Lake Amistad. Our water temps hitting right around that, you know, 79, 80, 81 mark. What are you seeing up there around that Midwest region? It's the same thing here, Kurt. Um, wow. There's been a bunch of rain. In fact, I, I, I drove through a big storm Um uh, on my way home here. So uh, there's been a bunch of rain. It's kept the water temp down quite a bit. Uh, my understanding is Table Rock is just about the same uh, in that in that high 70s, low 80s range right now. So um, they haven't quite jumped into the summer pattern and ganged up on some of the uh, structure that we, we like to find them at this time of year, but uh, they'll get there pretty soon. And it's interesting how, how you can have, you know, down here in South Texas, I mean, we've had, you know, 90, 100-degree days already. But water temp's not a whole lot different. But still, both of them, particularly Table Rock and Amistad, Highland Impoundments. Um, how, how do you define that? I mean, what, what's the deal on that? Um, is it just uh, depth of water, you know, a little bit deeper here at Lake Amistad? Or what, what do you think the difference is since you spent so much time here and there? Um, well, for Amistad, you know, you, you got to remember, you, it's a highland reservoir. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're up. Uh, what is your elevation's over 1,100 feet, right? That's correct. So, 1144. Right. So, and you've got all that deep water, despite the fact it's it's 50 feet low. You still have a lot of areas there that are, you know, 130, 140 feet. So it's yeah. going to keep the mean temperature, you know, right there where it needs to be. As far as Table Rock goes, it, it's also a very deep lake. But they run a lot of water through it. You know, it, it comes down through Beaver um, yeah. uh, into Table Rock and then right on through to uh, to Bull Shoals. So that water movement um, really keeps things uh, pretty cool. Very good. Very good. Man, you've recently spent, like like we mentioned already, uh, a couple weeks down here at Lake Amistad. Uh, I think this is your eighth or ninth time helping with the uh, Pro Bass Camp down here. Um, I know you've had a lot of great uh relationships with with some of those youth anglers and be able to even guide them up there in table rock and kind of help them develop the the finer points of their fishing skills um real quickly after being involved so long um how do you break down like the development during camp and um why it's so important for a serious youth angler to benefit from these styles of programs that are out there. Not just Pro Bass Camp, but you even have your own program up there in the Midwest uh, with uh, the Future, I think it's called Future Anglers. Tell us, tell us a little bit about 
why you think it's so important for these for these youth anglers to get involved with these programs? Well, you know, I always try to explain it this way, Kurt. You know, not everybody's going to be a professional angler, all right? It, it's just not going to happen. There, there are people who are going to go into other other areas. Um, however, you always want to have a good time out on the water. And what we're sure. aiming for is to make them better anglers. You know, not necessarily professionals, but make them better anglers. So they spend less time figuring out a pattern. They they spend more time catching fish. And a lot of these young young um, anglers are, you know, they're uh, involved in high school uh, teams and grammar school teams and junior uh, divisions and things of that nature. And they want to be competitive. They do want to sure. be competitive while they can. And and. Um, what we do for them is really shorten that learning curve. You know, you know, we, when you and I started, we had Bassmaster magazine. Yeah, you had to wait a month to get it. You know, you couldn't <laughs> wait to get it so you could read Maybe anything. Two months. <laughs> exactly. Now everything is instant. You know, but being having the ability to give them hands-on experience and out on the water, not just with techniques, but how to read the electronics how to read mapping, how to look for certain pieces of structure, you know, out there that, you know, to develop that pattern. There's so much that they learn and you can see them soaking it up. And, yeah. and a lot of times, you know, as you're, you're idling around looking for something, they're pointing it out to you. So it's really cool to see them develop the way they do. And then of course, you know, they, a lot of them have gone on to college teams and uh, you know, we, we even have a, national champion in, in Noah Skolnick. So, that's, right, that's um, right. You know, they, they've all, so many of them have done really well um, at, at the high school and college level. And today with, you know, so many colleges offering scholarships, there's another avenue for their parents to, uh, you know, kind of loot, lessen the load of the college education. So um, it's all good, man. It's all good. These kids are phenomenal. You know, you meet these kids and, they, you know, they're just so much fun. That, you know, here I am, I'm 70 years old, but yet we have something that we can relate to and we have so much fun doing it. You know, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with 14 year olds in a way that I couldn't do it any other way. So um, it, it's really a lot of fun. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. It, it's uh, age wise, it's even with the with the with the campers, you know, a 12 year old or an 18 year old, they're getting along just as well as they were best buddies just because yeah. they have this common interest. So it's really neat to see. I mean, you've seen Lake Amistad go through a lot of different phases through all the years that you've been here, specifically in the early June timeframe when this camp is typically running around. And um, it always seems to be a little bit different. This year, no exception. There was a technique that really started to uh, grasp a lot of instructors, a lot of the, the campers that was really effective this year. That was the free rig technique. Dave, I know that you really leaned on it heavily during camp, educated a lot of these youth anglers about the free rig. Wanted to kind of bring that into Bass Edge Radio today on this showcase segment. Break it down for us, free rigging, what's it all about and why is it so effective? Well, um, so, so just to back up a second, you know, we try to teach these the students as much as we can, but in reality, a student taught me this this free rig um, technique, um, and it's really it it's 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 very it's a very simple technique. Um, 
but it's so different from anything at the fish sea. Um, basically, what it is, it's a drop shot weight that has an eye. Okay, so you run the line through it, and then you tie on a hook. And um, in, in the situation that I was in at, at Amistad, you know, I, I was able to get my hands on one of these. In fact, one of, one of the instructors, other instructors, was experimenting with it as well and happened to have a couple of weights, so he gave me one. And it's just a teardrop weight uh, with an eye on it, and you run the line through it. And I uh, really like to use a 4 uh X-point hook. Um, the high boosters are great as well, uh, but the 4 aught seems to work really well. Offset worm hook. Um, and and basically what what you do is you put a bait on it. Now, I've seen mm-hmm. um, worms used, uh, crawls. And flukes, you can put just about anything you want on it, it's anything that you have confidence in. What worked really well for me and many others uh, at Amistad last week, or the last couple of weeks, was a fluke. Um, the bass were feeding on bluegill, so anytime they're feeding on bluegill, you know, watermelon red, green pumpkin, fluke work, works really well. I always dip the tail on it, but you just thread that on, on the hook, just like you would if you were... Um, fishing it uh, on a spinning rod or any other any other way that you you want that you use it and then what happens is so this weight is free it's free that's why it's, it's called free, free. Right, right, right. <laughs> pretty simple <laughs> all right but what happens is is when you throw it out there all right and i don't know if i got enough line here in the middle of my truck but when you throw it out there the weight hits the bottom and the the bait slowly comes down to the weight okay so it's a whole new presentation to these fish many times you don't even feel to pick it up all you it's really important to watch your line in this situation right because many times you don't feel it because it's just falling and they pick it up and they're they're moving off with it okay um so so you you have to really pay attention when you're using this bait but what you want to do is if you if i like to relate it to stroking a jig Okay, you're gonna throw it out there, let it hit the bottom. The, the bait will come down to the weight, right? Okay. And you're gonna lift it like you would a jig. You're gonna, like when you're stroking a jig, you just lift it up and let it fall. Lift it up and let it fall, and and you work it out through the strike zone. Okay. Now, if you don't get a bite, throw it out there again. Lift it up, let it fall. But there's so one it's like really a vertical vertical Carolina rig. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great analogy it really is because you know you've got it up here the weight's down on the bottom and here it comes down you know yeah. it just keeps coming you know straight down um it it's really effective we caught golly in my boat over the last two weeks there, there were hundreds of fish caught on this wow. on this rig um cool. the both the young men that i had tournament day and set on the second session you know, they caught their keepers on this over grass. So you can catch them on grass, rock. It's a, a great technique in brush piles. There's so many very different very ways cool. to use it. But the key, there's a key, uh, there's a, there's a um, very important factor with this, though, okay? Um, you know, a lot of people, the, the instinct is, you know, it's almost like fishing. They think they're fishing a Texas rig, and a fish. they feel a fish on there. And they snap the hook set, okay? Uh-huh. But but you really don't want to do that because what happens is 
when you snap that hook set, this this weight goes flying back into the fish fish's face, and a lot of times he'll open his mouth and you'll miss him. Okay? okay, that that weight is moving a lot faster than you than you think it is. The what what I learned was the the real the proper technique to setting the hook on this particular technique is just like a drop shot or a swim bait. Okay where you feel it load up and you just kind of pull it into them. Don't, okay. you don't want to snap it. You want to pull it into them. All right. And you'll find your success rate is far higher than it is with any other hook set. So yeah, it's, um, it's almost like, uh, you know, if you had your, your line wrapped around a piece of brush or something like that, you really got to feel that tension first to really get that line or, or that hook, the, uh, the velocity to penetrate into the fish. And, and maybe the same thing here. You've got to kind of lift that weight up a little bit so that your line is running right toward that bait so you can get a better hook set in that scenario. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, but, but Kurt, this, this, this technique is so effective, I just couldn't get over it. I, I, couldn't, right. I couldn't get over how many bites I was getting on this thing as opposed to, and you know me, I love to throw a Texas rig worm. Yes. You know, and yeah, I could get bit on it, but nothing like this. I mean, it's Amazing. something that they just haven't seen yet, you know, so, so it makes it, you know, that much more effective. Well, you know, Dave, as you mentioned earlier, you know, that's, that's the one thing I really love about bass fishing is we're always learning, adapting to conditions, techniques. It's an ever-evolving process. So, you know, there's so many sports that you get into, and of course there's some evolution in, in other sports as well, but I feel like not nearly as dramatic and drastic as they can be in bass fishing. And uh, we're always on a test or on a hunt and in a, in a scenario, maybe one that we can lean on some experiences in the past, but never exactly like the current experience that we're having. And uh, that's why it's so, so important to keep an open mind, keep these new techniques uh, of potential, uh, you know, in use and, and learning and listening to other anglers to learn new things. So, um, man, it's, it's, it's really cool. Let, let's talk lastly about this free rig approach in your area of the country, where you see it, not just applicable in South Texas around grass, uh, maybe around some bluffs, but if I'm a Midwesterner, how am I going to utilize the free rig out there in some of these, uh, these fisheries that you constantly fish on a regular basis, particularly in, in your guide service? Uh, I, I, I have to be honest with you, I can't wait to get out on Table Rock and, and, and try this technique. Um, you know, much like, like um, Amistad, Table Rock has, you know, lots of rock points, um, lots, lots of bluff walls. Right. Um, right now, the fish, you know, we're waiting for the fish to get out on those long points. Um, where we would normally catch them on a jig or a crankbait. I can't wait to try this technique there. Um, it, I think it's going to be super effective. Um, there's a lot of brush piles that will come into play later on in this, in, you know, this month and through, through July and August. Um, I just, I think, I think I'm really going to put the hammer on them. Here this <laughs> so awesome, I'm, I'm pretty well, excited I'm about it. We're going to look forward to watching some videos and, and some information you're going to continue to provide out there on the free rig, particularly in that Midwest region. Dave, uh, it's been great having you on the program and it kind of, you know, doing some additional exposure for this uh, deadly technique. Could be a great technique even for uh, these smallmouth fisheries that you're going to see coming up. Every tour 
goes north. Uh, we just saw the Cayuga event there with the MLF BBT, and uh, now you've got the Elite Series going north. You've got the Toyota events going north. So uh, I, I've heard under a lot of breath about this technique in the past, uh, particularly on smallmouth bass. Maybe this year will be the breakout year. I, well, you know, Kurt, we, uh, I, I'm fortunate enough I'm going to join you in New York for another camp. Absolutely. So, so uh, Oneida, look out. <laughs> Here she comes. <laughs> We're coming to free rigging. All right. Man, Dave, any, any final words for the listeners before we let you go? We're going to get ready to have Maddie Wong coming up next. But uh, just want to give you a, a, a short time here to just – Say what you want to say before we move on to our next segment. Hey, you know, um, I just want to say I, I really had a great time the last two weeks. Once again, you put on a, a, an excellent camp for these kids. Uh, the, the kids there are phenomenal. Um, it's such a great experience. Um, if anybody, if you can go to that, go to that camp, you have an opportunity to go to that camp or the camp in New York. Um, I would strongly recommend it because it's a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot of great things from a lot of great anglers and and and, uh, and catch some fish on top of it. So, um, well, once again, that. thank you for letting me participate. Absolutely, and don't don't listeners don't forget Dave Mansu and and some of his friends have the Future Cast Academy going on up there in the Midwest as well. You can check it out. They've got a website. I, I believe Dave, it's futurecastacademy.com. Is that right? That's correct. They can check it all out. We have classes coming up all throughout the summer, um, different patterns. Uh, as, the, as the seasonal patterns change, the classes change all the way up through November. So uh, check us out on futurecastacademy.com. A lot of ways to become a better angler for sure. Everybody, we're going to move into the next segment here. Maddie Wong in the studio. Uh, man, looking forward to talking to this guy. Fan favorite out there on the Elite Series. Y'all stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio coming up right after this short break. Come on, man, let's roll! What the? To catch the fish, you need to be one with the fish. With PowerPole shallow water anchors, you'll get the ultimate in precision, power, and control so you can catch more fish. No face paint or phony fins necessary. Excessive shock and vibration are two leading causes for premature battery failure. Prolong the life of your batteries with the new MegaWare Battery Guard. The Battery Guard sits under your battery and absorbs excessive vibration and bounce, reducing G-Shock by up to 80%. Great for boats or anywhere shock and vibration can damage a battery. The Battery Guard can easily be trimmed to fit virtually any custom shape or battery size. Save money by protecting your batteries. Spend more time on the water and less on maintenance. Find yours at MegaWare.com. been a great show so far and i'm uh, looking forward to moving into you see him right here on the program maddie wong on bass edge radio like i mentioned previously a fan favorite uh first top 10 in the elite series finished third place at the sabine river maddie welcome to bass edge radio no oh, thanks Birdman. man appreciate it man <laughs> appreciate you having me 
Absolutely, absolutely, man, uh, Maddie. I, so we were just talking before you're you're on Eastern time. Usually you're on Western. Well, you're all over the place right yeah. now, right? But uh, you left Texas. You you had a great event there in the Sabine River. Now you're getting ready for some uh, some smallmouth action. What's what's the plan right now? Where are you at? What what are you getting ready for? Well, uh, yeah, right now. Um... Like you said, I'm out east. I'm I'm up in Ohio right now. It's kind of uh, where I I will base camp for the northern swing. Okay. Um, tomorrow I head to uh, St. Clair. It'll be my first time uh, fishing St. Clair, so I'm gonna go run around, get some pre-practice in, do some uh, some idling, and uh, just try to get in a groove of the area. How long it takes to run certain areas uh, and whatnot. Just kind of feel like what zones like kind of fit my vibe and uh, kind of. You know, just get a feel of the thing, and then, uh, and then the week after that, I'm gonna run up to Champlain um, and kind of do the same thing there. I got um, a little bit of pre-fishing time on Champlain uh, last year, but it was, fifth, I don't know, water temp was like in the 40s. It was out, and it was horrible. So, yeah, looking forward to this next swing. Uh, I love smallmouth fishing. It there it it holds a real special place in my heart. Uh, but, uh, man, these guys can catch them. So it, I just, uh, you know, I hope I can kind of keep the ball rolling, keep the momentum going and hopefully carry it to the Northern swing. Yeah. We're going to talk about keeping that ball rolling and momentum that you've created for yourself. Um, as a lot of people know your origins from Hawaii, but, you know, kind of coming through into the elite series via the Bass Nation and, and through the California West Coast waters. Um, first off, congrats on everything that you've accomplished up to this point. I know that that you want more for, for where you're headed here in the elite series, but man, it's it's been a wild ride for you the last couple of years. It's a lot to to soak in. I'm interested to understand, you know, how your West Coast, uh, maybe even your Hawaii origins, your West Coast kind of fishing upbringing a little bit later in life has served you well on the Elite Series over these last, you know, 18, 20 months. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, growing up on the island of Oahu, we have one lake and it's called Lake Wilson. And uh, it's actually a fairly, I wouldn't say it's clean at all. I mean, this can sometimes be up to two feet. There's oh, a lot wow. of laydowns. Um, so, you know, I grew up doing a lot of flipping, a lot of like small jerk baits, a lot of spinner baits, a lot of cranking. So that was kind of in my wheelhouse, uh, as a young kid growing up and, uh, and then also chasing smallmouth in the streams that we have in Hawaii. And then, it, uh, man, not until I moved to California, uh, that's where I was really able to understand grass fishing. Because okay. we had a certain type of bank grass in Hawaii, but it's, it's different from hydrilla. It's different from uh, punching hyacinth and, and all that other stuff. And, and so for me, learning how to fish a tidal fishery where I was able to apply some of my ocean knowledge from, you know, inshore game fishing, uh, the ocean in Hawaii growing up into fishing the California Delta, uh, that's, that helped me tremendously. I learned how to, you know, throw a chatterbait, you know, lipless, learn how to punch, learn how to frog, uh, a lot of different techniques that I never even uh, really got to do in Hawaii. And so, how it was, old were you? How old were you when you made that transition from Hawaii to, to the West? I was uh, I was twenty four, about to turn twenty five. I okay. bought I bought a one way ticket. I saved up ten thousand bucks, and uh, I just I sent it. Yeah, so Slinging it. I like that. I like it. That. Yeah, it was hard, man. It was it was it was the it was the toughest decision of my life um, up until that point, and and 
it was everything that I, I knew was comfortable and familiar, all my friends, all my family, everyone was there. And I told myself, you know, if I never got off the island and, and really challenged myself, uh, that I would never live myself like not, I wouldn't forgive myself for not really trying. So, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful for that decision, even though it was terrifying at the time. It's it's kind of really paid off. And it's it's funny kind of spring forward, you know, almost 10 years uh, you know, winning on the Wachita River and, uh, you know, making it through the Bass Nation, I kind of got that same feeling where it was like, what am I about to do? You know, um, agree. What is it about these rivers? You talk about Wachita, you did great yeah. on the Sabine. Yeah. It, do you got, do you have some kind of flavor with these places that just kind of resonate with you? Well, it's old school bass fishing, man. It is. It is. At its finest. And and I think that's where I excel. I excel in tough fisheries and places where, you know, I'm, I'm not staring at my graph, you know, and, and I think that um, I've learned to use the new technology uh, and it, it took me about a whole season to really kind of get dialed in with it because prior, you know, my old Ranger, I had a black and white old Rorance at the console and like one six inch graph up front that I would just use for water temp and, 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 and depth. So, you know, it, it was a big adjustment. So to go and fish fisheries where I know that I can read the bank, I can, you know, uh, establish certain patterns based off of, uh, you know, whether or not it was, uh, what was the, the forage in the area? What was the seasonal pattern going on? And then just start running water. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of what I really enjoy. And once you kind of settle in on a certain subtlety of it, uh, things just start to click. Right. And I said it on live where it's, it's kind of like this uncontrollable, um, you, you get into the zone and once you get locked into this zone, you, you feel unstoppable in a way. And, uh, every, every thought is the right motion. Every, every analytical step leads you to greener pastures, right? Yeah, it's true. And, and, you know, and I'll be completely lying if, if I said it like that happened all the time. And it, it's, it's, it's a really small, it's, it's really rare to tap into it. Mm -hmm. But when you do tap into it, it's, you, you're pretty unstoppable. And um, I think, euphoria. yeah, yeah it, it, it complete euphoria. A lot of yeah. fishermen, I think, tap into it, but don't realize that they're in it. Like they don't feel like they don't realize that they're in that pocket. I, I, I come from a background of music as well. And I played saxophone for a living for you know many years. Wow. And um, and so I I, I I relate it to like the rhythm pocket and uh, like of a bassist or a drummer, you know, finding that 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 perfect little pocket. And you can you can live in this pocket and you just and it's just it, it flows through you and you're able to just just to move you know, freely within the space, but then you're just, you're riding in the energy, if that makes sense. Yeah, so dude, yeah, it was, it was cool because it, it, you know, we'll talk about baits and some, and some stuff later on, but I, uh, you know, a, a lot of the same lures that I used on a Wachita, I used on the Sabine and a lot of them I haven't fished since the Wachita. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of cool that I was able to, you know, like dust off a couple old baits and, right. um, and, and put them to work. And, and it's funny and how it just started to click. And especially when I um, was able to really like hone in on that one stretch and it was the winning stretch, man. And yeah, yeah. it was, uh, you know, felt phenomenal. Just the amount of people that reached out to me. And uh, I'm so grateful for the amount of people that, that support me now. And it's, it was just so humbling. And, yeah. 
it felt really good. It felt like a win, even though it was a third place. It, it totally felt like a win. Um, well, it's, it's your best finish to date, and and um, it, it was a win. I mean, when you get that close, you hear a lot of times the cliche: "When it's your time, it's your time." And and there is a, a strong aspect of that. And uh, just happened to be Brock's time. You know, when you yeah. get your four ten on a top water, you know that's it's a big difference. Uh, he won by like two thirteen. It could have very easily been another pound and a half, or and, and Winlet comes out of nowhere to to win. You know, who knows? But but let, let's dive. Back. I kind of went off on a little tangent. You talked about. You know, coming into California, your mid twenties, uh, the proverbial jump off the bridge from the island, yeah. and uh, you started learning about some grass. How else has that West Coast development? Do you see that small river aspect that that now you've seen yourself so successful in the yeah. mid part of the country come from your your uh, later or, or mid twenties fishing there in California as well? You know, I think more so with anything the tide influence on the Delta. Okay. Um, learning how to fish certain stretches because you can fish a stretch during low tide or maybe during a slack tide and you're not getting much bites or whatever, but then to recognize when there's mo motion and flow to know that those fish are going to start feeding. And so being able to capitalize on those small bite windows and to have the confidence that you're in the right zones and to really stick it out. Cause a lot of time guys will just, they'll run through a, a stretch. They won't get bit and they're like, Oh, they're not here. They're out. But they, they realize that they just missed the timing by like 20 minutes. And, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of water flow and you go back, right back through where you just fish. And sure enough, they just pull up and they feed. So uh, well, that was that was big. I've been to the Delta a few times, uh, luckily, and uh, I can see that because although the Delta is huge, vast, uh, Sacramento River opens up into this giant waterway. There's mm -hmm. so many small little sloughs, backwaters, yeah. little places that you get into and maximize uh, I see that where you're coming from mm -hmm. and where that could be that that uh, developed wheelhouse that you had there on the West Coast that now you've had those successes and, and those styles of fisheries, you know, on the Elite Series and, and in that in the uh, Federation as well, winning, winning the National Championship. So let, let's kind of talk about that Elite Series. When I don't want to go crazy deep into it, but I think there's some keys that you can bring to the Bass Edge uh, listeners in, in kind of you know, their uh, evolution into understanding how you maximized a winning stretch. Maybe didn't win the tournament, but how did it all come about? For sure. Well, uh, it, uh, let me, let's just rewind a little bit. We'll go back sure. into practice. And, um, you know, practice was brutal on a lot of guys. It was, it was kind of tough on myself. I had found a, a backwater about 15 miles up the river and you, it was like kind of a long idle in. It was a, there was a couple really super shallow, sandbars that I had to get over and then into this uh, really, really big, vast kind of backwater slough that had a bunch of laydowns and whatnot. And I would flip, throw a spinnerbait, um, you know, crank a little bit. But my biggest bite in that slough in practice came on a spinnerbait at the trolling motor. And it was a two pounder that ate it right at the trolling motor. And I was off the bank. It was in probably eight to 10 foot of water. And I was kind of I was I was curious because I was like, all right, well, uh, yeah, that was kind of strange. Like, where did it come from? What? Yeah, why did that exactly. occur? Yeah. So the uh, the next day in practice, I was fishing another area that's actually kind of right around the corner from that spot, and again, I was rolling spinner bait out like a little bit out deeper. You know, I'd hit a couple, I'd hit the bank a little bit, but then I, I was rolling it out, and I noticed this one fish, um, and it was actually like the one fish that I did scope. Um, you know, <laughs> during during 
the the practice and and i fire out to it i'm like it kind of looks like a bass it, it reacted like a bass and and this place you if you spent too much time scoping you ended up scoping gar and drum and redfish okay and so it was really hard to d differentiate i mean obviously when you can tell like a lot of times when you see a bass and the way that it reacts you're like okay that's 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 a bass but sometimes drum will do kind of similar movements and react similar um but either way spinnerbait again boom ate at the trolling motor it was like a two and a quarter pounder ding, so, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> fast, fast forward to the tournament you know I, day one I, I i shared water with brandon polinick um we, we we're buddies and so it was kind of cool to, to i mean unfortunately he found the backwater that i was fishing but we uh we had a good time uh i ended up beating him by an ounce back there i had six seven he had six six and um and then on day two uh, I knew that I had a better boat draw. I was going to go up in there. I mean, it was plenty enough space. It was probably like, I don't know, 600 yards, 700 yards uh, of, of really fishable water. Mm -hmm. And uh, my plan was, you know, if it wasn't working by 11 o'clock, that I was going to pull the plug. And uh, what happened was I had noticed that there was a, uh, a tree that was in the middle of the slough and there was a couple fish set up on it. So I, I, I busted out my balsa uh, square bell and I just start blasting it by the tree. And I, I look back on a video and I think it was maybe my eighth cast through the tree. Um, and I, it was a stop and go retrieve and I was able to trigger a three and a half pounder. And, um, that was a, a giant there, right? It was a giant. Yeah. It was my biggest <laughs> fish that I had caught. I, I hadn't caught a fish over two pounds, you know, all week. And so one that gave me the confidence because I knew that I was realistically a bite away from making the cut and cause I was sitting in 55th. And, uh, and so I decided, you know, I don't think I'll be able to call up anything more than a pound and a quarter in that slew, even though I did catch that good one, uh, just the previous day and whatnot. I just, you'd catch a lot of cookie cutter one pounders. Mm -hmm. So pull the plug, notice that the, 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 the tide was starting to pull out and there was good flow on the river. And so I fished a stretch that I had caught a small bite. I, I got like a keeper bite about 50 yards away and it was a nice little row of deep cypress trees. And so I start flipping the cypress trees and uh, I pick up a two pounder. And so I, in my head, I'm like, okay, I just submitted a, a, a top 50. You know, I just submitted like, you know, getting paid at least. Uh, a big deal. That's a big deal. Extremely hard to do. A lot of guys are like, man, there's a hundred guys, man. It can't be that hard, dude. It is like, it, it's extremely hard. You lo lose a fish. It hurts you tremendously because every single one of those guys are incredible anglers. And, uh, and so I remember this one stretch that I had fished in practice and I caught a couple keepers on it, but I didn't catch anything really substantial. And so my pl game plan was, you know, let's go and pre-fish, let's go in and let's go and investigate this one stretch again. Um, and before I even hit the stretch, I pulled up to it thinking about those two spinnerbait bites that I had had. I was like, you know what? I wonder if there'd be a slightly deeper diving crankbait. And so without even casting, I, I didn't even make a cast with it in practice. I tied it up and uh, made a cast with my square bill rod, which is a mega bass flat side special. And I'm like, Ooh, that feels really nice. Like, Oh, that's like paired up like really nice 16 pound FC sniper. I blast up there. I get a full cast in, I get three wines in it. It locks up and a three and a half pounder comes jumping out of the water. And I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> You know, like, please stay on, please stay on, you know, and so I get that fish in the boat, it gets out of my hands twice, I finally get it in the boat, 
and my marshals like shaking. I'm looking at my marshals shaking and I'm like, oh my gosh. Two casts later, I stick a two and a half. A cast wow. later, I stick a two pounder and I'm like, wow. okay, they're here. Yeah. I go down a little bit further on the stretch. I catch two more fish. I catch one more fish that, and they didn't help my, my bag. And at that moment I made the decision, okay, I need to get out of here. One, I don't want people to see me in here. Two, I got to save these fish for tomorrow. So I pulled the plug and I went and fished like literally less than a hundred yards from the ramp gotcha. just to finish up my day. It was like the last 15 minutes of the day. I also noted the time of which I got those bites because bite windows are extremely important. Whether they're tied or lunar related, those bite windows will stay consistent on the course of a week for the most part. Um, and especially on tidal fisheries that I've found. And so being in line with that bite window on your best stuff is extremely important. And also being able to settle in mentally and know that it's you're just one cast away from like hooking a really good fish that's up in that zone that's wanting to feed. Right. And so, uh, yeah, that led me into day three. And um, yeah, God, uh, Brock told me that he, I got I guess his uh his roomie tyler vet saw me in there catch those fish and so he told brock and then i i got the call and i was like oh dang <laughs> and uh but yeah i uh I, he was really leading it i told him i'd give it to him for 20 minutes i wouldn't um i wouldn't start from the other end I'll, I'll give it to him and he's like yeah dude just come on and right after like i know you found those fish too so we'll rub rails for the rest of the day and right and we did that uh i ended up losing two fish on saturday that that would have helped a little bit um and then, uh, yeah, Sunday, I uh, I gave him the same deal, uh, and uh, and then I started from the other end this time because you know I it's not like I was in twenty fifth place. Right. I was I was in fourth, one fish away, and uh, yeah, ended up I, I I caught a you know once I got my limit, uh, I it was like an, a limit for like seven and a half pounds or something. I was pretty stoked, but you know it was one of those things where I had not fished a spinnerbait on that stretch at all. I had only cranked it and flipped it and the last morning the wind had coming up uh, came up a little bit and it was slightly overcast and in my head I was like oh my goodness this is textbook spinnerbait weather and uh sure enough it was literally my first cast with it and I, I said oh man this looks so spinnerbaity like I started making up these adjectives right and so I'm like this is spinnerbaity and I like flip up there I start rolling it off and there's all these perpendicular little like pilings under the water and I click it off of a piling and I just lock up and this like three and a half pounder comes out of the water and just, and, uh, take her all over the boat, get her right next to the boat. And I go to thumb the spool. Cause I, I could, I could tell she's just trying to dog me and, uh, I wasn't able to thumb it fast enough and she broke me off. Oh, so that one hurt a lot, but I, uh, Do you think you lost the fish that would have won you the tournament or just, you know, overtaking Clark for, for second place. I would have had second for sure. Yeah. I would have had second for sure with that fish. Uh, cause I know Clark had a good one, but I would have, I think with that fish, I think it would have put me right there. And then I had two other fish on Saturday that, you know, I, it would have been close. Yeah, yeah. It would have been real close. And, and, and especially if I had, I don't know if I was a different person and I, and I, if I would have told Brock something else, it, it would have <laughs> had a different outcome. But I think for me, I, I believe in karma. I believe in, you know, uh, being a good sportsman. So I, it's one of those things, you know, if, if I was in that position, I'd, I'd only it, would want someone to respect. It yeah. Is, 
Well, the cool thing is you guys were able to communicate about it, right? I mean, that yeah. that was that was the uh, the best part of it all. So many sports that's not happening, mm-hmm. and uh, even even for Brock to say, "Hey, look, just give me the first swing through the stretch, and then we can rub boats all day." It's commendable to him too, right? So yeah. commendable to you, number one for for uh, conceding, I guess you might say, or succeeding to the the person that's in the lead in in an area that you're also fishing. Yet at the same time, uh, for him to say, "Hey, man, just just give me one one swing through the area, and then it's a free for all." I mean, it's both ways. It was a it was a great concept, and and probably helped uh, if you had. If you had have conceded and he didn't say, well, just come in and rub rub rails, maybe you don't finish third either. Because I, I feel like you're the kind of guy that would have said, all right, dude, I'll go find some fish somewhere else. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. Well, how, no. how, would, how would that have gone down? Tell, tell me if after the fact, right now, how that would have gone down if that had been the uh, the conversation. No, I wouldn't have not. I, I, the thing is. Too much at stake and you're right there. Yeah. I found those fish fair and square. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally it. agree. And so I, and it's not like I had seen him and pulled in on it, you know. Like right. I know, like Hunter and, and Kenta saw us in there, and they pulled in on the last day, and but they respected our water, you know. Sure, sure. And sure. no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna back down to someone. I don't care how many years they've been on the elite series. Uh, I'm not gonna get big dogged by anyone. Right. Right. And uh, if I deserve to be on that spot because I've caught good fish there, and it's something that I figured out as well. Sorry, Bubba, we're just going to have to make this work. Right. So, and you it, guys did. And, you and did. we did. And we yeah. did. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations to Brock. And I'm stoked that he, he, he was able to, you know, secure his first win. And, uh, you know, and w- like the, the, like the saying goes, when it's your time, it's your time. And, uh, right. but I still feel like it was a complete win. You know, it was the biggest check I'd ever made in fishing. So, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Dude. Well, look, you, you, in the short time you've been on the Elite Series, you're—I'm uh, going to say—you're a fan favorite, dude. When you come up Nothing. on stage, people light up. Uh, I feel like it's—it's it's the emotion that you provide, yet the the sincerity about all of your conversations and the way that you uh, relate to the public is very—I um, don't know—it's catching, dude. It's—it's. It's, no, uh, thank you. you. You got a thing going on, so it's—it's it's fun to see. And I agree with you that karma will come around. Let's let's talk about karma a little bit. Let's talk about you know you got three events left in the in the twenty twenty three elite series schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you you talked earlier about being a musician? You're staying in the spot. You're kind of grooving. You, you're uh, making some good calls. You're in this euphoria mode. How do you keep that moving into Saint Clair, which is the next event? You know, I think it, in our sport. Um... You know, like you're 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 speaking. Um, I think with, with Dave earlier um, yes. about the cool thing about our sport is we always have something to learn, and every, and it's always this revolving door of like these new things that are coming out and like different fresh ways. And so, with momentum, as much as it is a very real thing, like I'm not discounting the fact that when you have a, a few good events, it will actually keep pushing you into a space mentally where you feel like you're going to make really good decisions and this is going to happen. But the reality is, is that, you know, I watched Jason Christie win the classic and then finish dead, like next to dead last on Santi Cooper, literally the next event. And so it's one of those things where obviously I would love to just keep the ball rolling. I would love to be able to like take this momentum and run with it, if you will, you know, and keep it with me. But the reality is, is that we're also going into a, a whole different 
part region of the country where we're one, we're fishing for a different species now Two, the water is exactly like just giant. And, um, and, and it, it can be really tough to, to break down. And so I'm just trying to, uh, unlike last year where I, on St. Lawrence, I think I was too, pre- I was, I was, I was, instead of, you know, hitting a bunch of different areas, I try to settle in on certain zones. And, and now I, with a little bit more research and, and some uh, experience underneath my belt, now it's just, I'm simplifying down my techniques and I'm not gonna, you know, try to, I mean, I got 20 rods tied up, but <laughs> it's still like a, a little bit more in my mind to be able to simplify, you know, stick to the the, the tried and trues of, of the things that I'm confident with. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting in 80th in points right now. I need to be in the top 70 to requalify for next year. Okay. And, um, you know, I'll just leave it up to God. You know, it's one of those things. If it, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if it's like, you know, if, sure. if it's meant to be and I'm uh, and then great. And then if not, I, I ain't going anywhere, you know, right, I'm still going right. to be in the fishing industry. I love the fishing industry. I love anglers. I love like anyone that shares the same passion and, um, you know, I'll just figure out how to make it work. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things, you know, if, if it's supposed to happen and I'm supposed to, you know, stay on the elites for like another year then, or, or whatever, then that, that will be it. But uh, besides that, I'm still going to keep putting out videos on YouTube and still enjoying my life, you know? But you got you got plenty absolutely, and and you've got plenty of time to uh, continue to excel as you did on the Sabine. Um, bottle it up and uh, keep rolling with it. Uh, keep the positive vibes as I know you always do. So it, it's it's cool to watch that. Growing up, you know, we, you talked about you know Alachita, Sabine uh, being like old school, right? You're like, oh, dude, it's 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 old school fishing. That that's mm-hmm. like your wheelhouse, right? So. What what are those techniques that that you utilize? You talk about a little spinner baiting, uh, transition to a, a little deeper diver crank bait to come up with some really key bites there on the Sabine. Um, what are some of those techniques that Matty Wong likes to lean on? Uh, kind of like his favorite summertime go to uh, that that maybe uh, another Bass Edge listener wants to emulate what Matty Wong's doing out there and has provided success for him. Well. I think, you know, we're talking about old school and, and whatnot. I think like some of the things that are really hard to beat are, you know, a jig. I mean, yeah. it's, it's a confidence bait. It gets big bites. Uh, you could throw it around cover, you know, and um, I think the real key thing was uh, that I was flipping around, um, you know, floral instead of doing braid, okay. even though I'd, I'd flip braid in other places that maybe was cleaner than the Sabine. Uh, it was just because of the pressure. So the amount of fishing pressure that those fish were getting when you have something that's loud, like braid going in um, versus something like fluorocarbon, it's just a little bit more stealth. So I would start off with something like if you know that fish are in an area or, you know, you've caught some fish in a certain area and they're not biting because of the conditions, let's say the sun's high up and there's like nice little shade lines and whatnot, and there's not a lot of wind going on it's just being able to like read the conditions is super important. And when it's slack calm and whatnot, I do kind of tend to go to a jig or a Texas rig. Uh, And then, you know, like when you, when you start to, you know, as soon as like the wind starts kicking up, even though maybe you didn't catch them on reaction baits in practice, maybe you were flipping a jig or you were throwing a worm or something like that. And just wasn't happening. I think, recognizing and this took me some years to like and i'm still trying to perfect this and then get better at this is realizing okay something just switched 
yeah, I was catching fish doing this. They shut off. Now what is overcast and then the wind just came up. As much as we can nail ourselves in the head by watching all the YouTube videos, doing all the research, reading all the magazines about, okay, what do you do in these kind of conditions? It's actually hard to get yourself to commit to changing your technique that you've been catching fish on mm -hmm. to something that you're like, I think this is what I should be doing, but then to actually do that and then to implement confidence within it. And so for me, um, this was one of the baits that I used, and this is a, the, the Mega Bass Z2, and this is a deeper diver. It's a super compact little crankbait, uh, and I switched out those hooks for the Gamakatsu short bend. Uh, these are size sixes there. Um, but I think the rod that, you know, and this isn't like their high-end rod, and a lot of people ask me, like, well, all the Mega Bass stuff's really pricey, but I'm like, you know, for the enthusiasts and for the people that really understand the high quality of, of gear, I think as soon as you pick up a mega bass rod, it it will set everything else so far away right. <laughs> than anything you've ever felt. And 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 I promise that 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 experience will will stay with you. And and for me, even using like the Rochi line, which is I would say their second tier, you'd have the Levante, yeah. then you have the Rochi. Um, this flat side special is a great like medium sized crankbait rod, also for balsa and so for square bills and whatnot. So um, that's what I was throwing my, 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 my balsa bait on. And I was also throwing the Z2 after I would do a couple runs, stop getting bit, pick up another, an, another bait, tie on a, a different bait and fire out there and, and get one. So that's another like confidence bait. I would say, especially in the summer when a, the fish get a little bit more active, the water temps like in the upper seventies and the eighties, right. if the condition is there, you can also get on the bite. And also there's times, and this was something that I had researched and heard, uh, Kevin, Kevin short, K pink, uh, yeah. He actually inspired me to, 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 to burn a balsa bait around on the Wachita River. And this is something that I learned in one of his seminars where, where someone asked him a question like, what's your favorite conditions for, for cranking? And he said, bluebird skies and no wind. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? As bass fishermen, we're taught to, like, okay, it needs to be a little bit of wind, maybe overcast and da da da, -da. Right. But it, you're, you're tapping in to an instinctual reaction that a bass cannot help. Mm -hmm. They are genetically predisp predisposed of eating something. If it bounces off of a piece of cover, they're going to trigger and, and go and eat it, whether they're hungry or not. It's just something that's in them. It's like it, it, we know that ice cream or something is not good for us. But if it's in the fridge, we're going to go and we're going to eat that ice cream. Well, I, 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 if I kept tapping on your shoulder, you might, you might let it go for a little while, but eventually you're going to, you're going to kick it off. Right. Uh, you know, maybe yeah. very similar. Yeah. Something. So, I mean, it's, it's, it, and, and sometimes all it is, is like the change of an angle in the cast. You know, like I said, I, I'd hit that tree a whole bunch, but as soon as I changed up the angle, just a slight bit, five, 10 degrees and make a couple more casts, boom, you trigger a fish. Yeah. So that's. I think that's something that's really key uh, for people to, to try and tune in on and, and realize that, you know, you don't always have to be reading the book, if you will, on when a fish should be eating something and know that you can make a fish react. And especially if someone's fishing really slow through an area mm -hmm. and you're fishing right behind them, there's ways to make those fish that are there trigger. But then you also have to have the aptitude and realize that you have to change it up too, because as soon as you give them a look, Typically, after you go and go through the, the, you know, the stretch or the bank or whatever, a couple times with that one bait, 
you know, maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 casts, you're going to have to change it up, whether it's color or what I was doing is I would go in between the, this is a Megabass SV3 spinnerbait. This is a three eighths ounce. I'll go between this one and then a finesse. Uh, it was like a war Eagle uh, finesse uh, with a, with Indiana blades. That little so, Indiana, yeah, yeah, I think that's Mike McClellan uh, signature bait. It's a great bait. Yeah. yeah so yeah. The, the thing is with the mega bass blade is you're having a different vibration that it, that's emitting from the bait. So as much as you're throwing a spinner bait, there's always a different frequency that those bait, that those fish are going to key in on and get, they get conditioned to. And same thing when it goes to a crankbait. So that's how I'd, I'd switch to the, like the Z2 when they would turn off from the balsa. And if they would turn off from the Z2, I'd go back to the balsa and then maybe change up a color in the balsa. And, uh, and so that was, that was kind of a, a key thing. Um, I mean, I'll talk about rod real quick. This is the, the, the Deimos. This is the, um, the, the P5 Deimos destroyer line. This is their, their higher level uh, destroyer line. And I've really, really come to like this rod a lot when it comes to just being your all around medium heavy, but especially for lighter swim jigs, for spinner baits, um, even like, you know, flipping a, a light Senko, like a, a weightless uh, Senko and whatnot. Great, great rod and extremely light, extremely sensitive. Um, I picked up a couple of those Mega Bass rods and uh, the balance is, is amazing. The, the sensitivity is, you know, the, when you get a lighter weight rod, not, not necessarily action, but a lighter weight rod, it just picks up that sensitivity so much. And when you have the balance like the Mega Bass does, and, and a lot of other rods do have good balance, but, but not necessarily, like you said, when you pick up that Mega Bass rod, it's, it's a different feeling. When you can, when you can take a rod and, and, and pair up a light, like a light reel, like the, like the Shimano, there you go. That's that balance I was talking about. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's I can cool. throw this all day and not get fatigued at all. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny. I showed, I showed, I, when I, st I stayed with Ike a couple times last year and he's like, how hey, Melon, let me see one of these things. He picked it up. He says, Whoa. He's like, what the like flexing it and like balances it. He's like, oh, dude, these things are light. And you like, threw me one of his rods i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> but uh you know it, but, it, but for me it's really important to, to be able to not be fatigued and i threw thousands and i'm not exaggerating thousands of casts um you know during that week and uh, i think the, one of the keys to my success that week was that i was able to make repetitive 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 casts throughout that stretch and get as many reps as i possibly could just upping my chances um and uh, when you have a, a, a rod that's balanced and light and sensitive, you, you don't fatigue as easy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's, uh, I don't Help know. Make a good, accurate cast. Like you're saying, you're winding through brush, uh, making casts through, you know, different types of cover. And uh, accuracy is really important, especially on a pressured small fishery like yeah. the Sabine or, or m many others around the country. Uh, the Sabine, it's funny because um, as much as it fish, it fish is small, it's the largest fishery that the elites go to. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you can run two hours in each direction and still have time to run, which yeah. is it, yeah. absolutely crazy. Um, it's, Hank, it's uh, Hank Cherry actually gave me this really cool piece of advice when we were up uh, uh, on Lay Lake. And I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, what's your two cents on lay on uh, Sabine? And he goes, don't spread yourself too thin. Pick an area and settle in in practice, because if you go and run, you know, Houston, go run up the river and go like run to Taylor's or up the Neches, 
there's not enough there's not enough time in a day to cover water effectively and to, and to be able to not fish over fish right. um, and to be able to actually kind of figure out a zone. I feel like they, we've, you know, the elite series has proven BASS has proven through all the events that they've had there on the Sabine. There's, there's no gold mine anywhere. Believe me, every <laughs> angler that's been to that place has looked for, and maybe the only one that was early in the time was at Clear Lake over in Houston. But uh, since that time, and I think it was Crete and McClellan kind of exposed that back in the day. Um, it, it's all been looked at, and, and there's no big. Uh, I mean, even Crete McClellan didn't win. So, yeah. so he, even the gold mine that was thoughtfully found at one time, it was still. Um, I think that event was won by Faircloth. Uh, back oh wow! In, yeah, back back in uh, Taylor's area, and uh, yeah. one of those little offshoots. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. The Sabine's really cool. It's a great place. Thanks for breaking that down. We're gonna take a, a, a breather here for just a moment. Like to thank Bass Pro Shops as the presenting partner of this feature angler spotlight segment of Bass Edge Radio, Bass Pro Shops, reminding you that we all live downstream. All right, Maddie, we're going to get into a, a few last questions here on the program. Uh-huh. Uh, man, uh, are Elite Series anglers doing things, or what are the things that they're doing that weekenders aren't, that, that makes it look like they have a magic sauce? Right. Uh, yeah, what yeah. is it that you feel like, uh, you know, being that you were, you know, just two years ago, a weekend angler. I remember watching a couple of your YouTube videos. It was either a uh, Juan Bass event. You jumped in on Havasu, I think it was, after you won the regional there mm-hmm. or, 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 or did really well in the regional to qualify for nationals. And uh, you were talking earlier about being able to adjust. I think you had had a tough first day, but you came back with a really strong day two. What What is it that, that now you've come from seeing and being a part of a weekend angler program, maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Now seeing these, these and being a part of that angler group that seems to have a magic sauce. Yeah. Is there a sauce? And if so, yeah. what is it? Yeah, it's called bait fuel. Now I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I mean... Um, I mean, bait fuel is awesome, but I'm saying right, right. You know, it's, it's after fishing on the elites this past year and a half, um, I think it's the thing that sets, and this is what I tell a lot of, you know, young kids that, that, that aspire to be, you know, professional anglers someday. And, and they think that, you know, they, if, as long as they do is not enough research that they can, you know, make it, um, you know, like doing time on YouTube and, and doing all the, you know, listening to as many things as they can and whatnot. I can't stress enough how important it is to spend as much time as you can on the water. And ever since I was a, a kid, I was so drawn to it. And I would spend so much time on the, on the water, whether it was the ocean or the lake or in a river and learning how fish react, learning how fish set up, learning how like certain bite windows happen, learning how like certain forages and what their their whole process is. Like, you know, it, it, interesting because there's a lot of people putting out information online um, about, you know, this is what they do. Like crayfish spawn twice a year and then right. that's all they do. It's like, no, crayfish spawn year round, you know on full moons they're marching around they move you know there's 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 certain things that i, I think that are um 
that are, are fallacies in a way where, you know, people get locked in on, on what they think that, that, you know, fish should be doing or whatnot. And the only way to actually decipher those things is to actually spend time on the water and to investigate. And so for me, spending hours and hours on the Delta, spending hours and hours, uh, you know, and, 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 and putting in those reps, I think when I was able to make that step into the elites, I realized that, wow, dude, these are all guys that put their pants on just like me in the morning. And, and I think with a little bit of luck and a right opportunity that it's anyone can achieve that goal as long as they have the work ethic and they have the heart and the passion to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I always encourage anyone from, you know, from 16 to, to literally to 70. Like if that's something that you you're truly passionate in, man, like and that's the coolest thing about our sport is that you can chase it and you can get it. You know, I um, uh, uh, Randy Pearson, who was the last guy from California to make it on the elites uh, before me through the Bass Nation. Uh, NorCal guy, right? He NorCal guy. guy. Yeah. He had a whole uh, his whole other career going and, you know, and he wasn't a young guy when he made it on the elites. And so he was able to achieve, uh, uh, obtain a goal that a lot of people think is like kind of this untouchable. And I think I always I like to challenge people to speak truth to your goals and your dreams, because if you're not able to speak to them, then how would you ever expect them to ever happen for you? Powerful. Putting, putting things out there and just just speaking it. I, I remember the Wachita River event. I wrote on my my dry erase board. I, I had like this dry erase board when I had an apartment, and um, and one would be a calendar, one would just be for you know you know to do lists or whatever. But on my calendar, on the nationals, I put win nationals. I'd never been to the Wachita River before. Right. I had never like you know, and it was just and and on my drive there, I envisioned a trophy buckled up in my passenger seat. And the fact that it happened and I was able to buckle in that trophy and drive back 24 hours with the help of some of the boys from Arizona, I was, I, and it gives me chicken skin thinking about it now, man. And I gave this speech when I was on stage and I, I said, you know, you know, dreams come true. You know, I'm, I'm the proof of that. It, don't give up on your dreams. Don't like doubt yourself work hard and it can happen. I'm not saying that it's going to happen right away, but you don't know, you know, it, and so, you know, that's just something that I, I got to say, but, powerful, and, and, powerful. and so with, with fishing, the elites, all these guys have that similar passion and they have that similar understanding that, you know, all this stuff is possible yeah. with time on the water. Now I will say that I'm fishing the cleanest. I'm fishing the strongest that I've ever fished before. Um, I would be able to, to to beat my previous self two years ago when it comes to the, my, my skills that I've been spank, able to spank them around. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. And and it's because of the time on the water, you know, my all my casting and it and and it, it's interesting because I it was I think it was my second event last year and it was a guy that was. Um, that had watched me went on Wachita and he had seen me like throw a million casts on my right arm. He's like, Hey man, I, I got some advice for you. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, I noticed you, you just mainly cast with your right hand. Like, I think that there's like really good opportunity for you to like learn how to cast with your left. Literally after he said that I spent, I spent the next six months learning how to cast more efficiently with my left hand. 
and I still really, really work on casting with my left hand. And now to the point where I feel like, okay, if I need to put it right there, I can put it there with my left hand. Like I'm coming around a dock instead of waiting to, to pass that dock to get a backhand in it, boom, I can get a forehand left-handed cast down it. And so it's just putting in the repetition, putting in the time. And then there's also certain things that are undescribable. Like I had said before, like holding into that pocket, feeling a feeling an energy and being able to like key in on it and then run with it. That and certain people have that more than others, and that ability to kind of key into that thing. Like Brandon Polinick, he has the ability to key in on that, understand that, that, and have the confidence around it, and then to execute. And um, I think that, that that's super important. I've been learning tremendous lessons from one of my roommates, Stetson Blaylock. And Stetson's been on tour for a really long time. He's you know done the FLWs. He he did youth angling. He uh, he basically just finished high school and then just went straight into professional angling. And he is a complete animal when it comes to making game day decisions where, and it was kind of cool. Cause I, I shouted him out. I told him like, I, when I, when I picked up that one crank that I never fished all in practice and I'm like, dude, I just pulled a Stetson Blaylock, you know, he's <laughs> like, he'll, he'll pull something out of, out of nowhere and be like, you know, oh, this, you know, this seems kind of like this. And he'll just like tie it on, like throw it out there and catch a three. And you're like, dude, what the, and so I call him the squid. Cause he finds ways to like, like squid his way into the, oh the my God. every time. So yeah. Stetson squid Blaylock. We gotta, we gotta get that to hang. I like that. That, that oh, for him. Stetson oh, the squid Blaylock. Oh, Have you told Mercer about that yet? I, I, I need to tell Mercer about it. We need to make this a thing. I got the Frazier brothers calling him Squid. Uh, I got uh, so John Kelly. I call Pebbles. Okay. And so Johnny Pebbles calls him the Squid. Um, and so like we're slowly getting it. But... So does he like it? Is is he is he is he oh, taking he's it? He's fine with it. I mean, it's, it's, uh, nicknames are never ones that you choose, right, but it's right. ones Obviously that you, you know, and then and something that you just like. My name is matthew you know and 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 through school everyone called me matt my parents call me matt my girlfriend calls me matt everyone calls me matt and after I, in high school one of my neighbors would pick me up to go surf and he started calling me matty boy and i'm like <laughs> i'm like dude stop like the people are gonna hear you and one of my other good friends heard him call me matty one time and no, then he started right. calling me matt i'm like dude no stop like no like matt dude come on no stop and it just from there, just like one person knew me as Maddie, the next person knew me as Maddie, and it just kind of turned like just kind of just turned into a thing. And yeah. here I am at 35, Maddie. and now I'm Maddie Wong. Now you're on a podcast with your own name typed in as yep. Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> but That's it's cool. Funny. There's there's a lot of Matt Wongs in the world, so I wanted to set myself. A little yeah, bit. well, you've definitely yeah. done that. Definitely done that. All right, um, let, let's go to the next thing I wanted to hit on, and um, that's your experience so far on the Elite Series. You've talked a little bit about uh, what what it takes, you know, that magic sauce, time on the water, um, uh, confidence, uh, self-affirmation, uh, all these, you know, really powerful, powerful things, I think, that, that you've been able to, and, and other Elite Series anglers have been able to do to put themselves in position uh, to be successful in this sport. Looking back, hindsight, uh, you win the national championship at Wachita. Now you're an elite. You, you go to the classic. You're an elite series pro. In hindsight, what do you wish you could have obtained prior to getting to where you're at now that would have helped your success in, in this career? 
I think the ability to go out and fish a lot of these fisheries. Mm-hmm. I think the, you know, as a West Coast angler, you're handicapped by your geography. Um, it's so far of a drive to go to Alabama, to go to te- even go to Texas. Sure. And so, and the fisheries in South Carolina, man, those fish, like we never, like in California, yeah, certain people fish shaky heads for spots and stuff like that, but I never really fished a shaky head. I never understand the power of that darn little thing until I went to South Carolina and started fishing Hartwell, or you go down and fish, you know, like in Lake Murray or, you know, and then you go up to New York, all these different fisheries have these regional specialties mm-hmm. that, that hold true, whether it's a color or whether it's a seasonal pattern that's so unique and it's kind of like quirky in a way that it doesn't, and it's hard to replicate across the country. Yeah, there's certain things that that move laterally. You're going to have stuff that that works from coast to coast. Like for me, like a swim bait works coast to coast, you know, right, certain right. things, drop shots, coast to coast, you know, Sanko. But you're also going to have certain things that really excel in certain regions, whether it's like a color of a jerk bait or it's a cadence of a topwater. And so knowing that and then also being able to, you know, I think coming from the West Coast, Fishing lakes like Castaic, Casitas Lake, Pyramid Lake, the Delta, a lot of clear highland reservoirs, also fishing like dirty rivers that are tidal. I've had a pretty diverse upbringing when it comes to fishing and and bass fishing, I should say. And so I think if it was if we had this magic teleportation device and I was right. able to like pre-fish some of these lakes and get a better understanding of like, if you this- knew that you were going to win the national championship a couple years ahead of time, yeah, yeah. you'd have gone to experience more I would have went to Florida right? and like thrown a swimming worm, you know? Cause like, right, right. I just never thought that a swimming worm would be so effective yes. and, and we chew that thing. Like I weighed in 19 pounds on my very first elite day in a late event on St. John's and like top 10 in the first day. And that was on a swimming worm. I didn't a swimming worm ever until practice. And I caught a five and I I was like, oh, maybe they eat this thing. And then I caught another five. So it's, it's definitely, I wish I had more time to run around and, and, and see a lot of these lakes. So that's why I'm trying to do my due diligence now, having some time off instead of going back to California and like hanging out with my girlfriend or instead of going back to Hawaii and hanging out with my friends and family. And like, she doesn't want to hear you say that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so, you know i i'm taking time i'm, I'm still going i'm still going back to visit her I'm, in, yeah, in, yeah, in a few weeks but um because we do have almost two months off but i i want to make sure that i'm i'm doing everything in my power uh to research and put in the time on these on these next couple events uh to to, to really try to to requalify next year and right. i i don't want to look back and say, man, I really wish I went up and I prefished, or I really okay. wish I tried harder. I want to be able to look back if it, if everything doesn't roll the way that I want it to roll, and be like, hey, I try my best. Yeah, yeah. And that's and, and that's all that I could have done. And maybe this is this just was like the time, and it was a perfect experience and a great adventure. And now I can look back on it and smile. And so, but and then I can also look back and be like, hey, I did all that work, and look where it led me. Yes. So. Yeah. It's just, you know, you, you can't, you can't beat yourself up if you've put all of your effort into it. Well, like I said, you know, and and I don't think you really look at it short term. You're just going and putting life in front of you and doing what you can do to be the best that Maddie Wong can be. And, um, and, and that, that's to mean that whatever happens in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, 
you're, you already said at the beginning of the you're not going anywhere. You're in this thing for the long haul. So well, you could be practicing right now for a 20-31 win on Lake St. Clair, <laughs> right? I mean, you just don't know. So, so that, that's the cool thing. You kind of tip, tipped off uh, what you're going to do with this time off. You guys, you know, it's, it's mid-June. Uh, you've got until the end of July. Uh, mm-hmm. You talked about going to Lake St. Clair. Um, you know, not being it, you're not going to spend quite as much time as home as maybe that, that you would like, but because you, you've got ambition, you've got passion, you, you've got this want to, to, to uh, continue to excel in the Elite Series uh, after the Sabine River event. Um, what else will you be doing through this time off? Uh, is this a time to like practice new techniques? I know in the, in the, in the, uh, I was just talking with Dave Mansu earlier in the in this uh, in this episode about free rigging. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, man, I mean, I, I know West Coast people have been free rigging for a while. Yeah, I talked to some guys up, you know, some friends like up in Idaho. They're like, "Man, we've been free rigging smallies for like five, six, eight years." And I'm yeah, like, yeah. "Dude, well, it's just yeah. getting here. So, is this time to practice techniques like that too?" I talked a little bit about staying true to what Maddie likes to do. Yeah, obviously, I have the things that I love, um, but I. I'm a, I'm a constant student of the sport, you know, and and in life. So whenever I can learn something new and and try to like, you know, figure out a nuance of it, I'm going to try and do that. So I'm not that, yeah, I've caught fish on a tube. Let's say, let's use a tube, for example, caught fish on a tube before I've I've snapped the tube. I've done the tube. I've flipped the tube, whatever. (laughs) But it's something that like, I don't, I don't do like, I don't have one tied on, you know, when I go up North, that's something that I want to try to implement. And if it's something that I can get a little bit of confidence confidence in, and especially in practice, then I've, I've helped gain a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of experience in something that might end up being the difference of making a check or not making a check. So yes, um, obviously I'll stay sharp with like jerk baiting and, and glide baiting and swim baits and, and drop shotting and finesse stuff. Um, but then also, you know, taking time and like, really kind of dialing in like the hair the hair deal like throwing you know getting dialing in my spy baits dialing in you know um uh you know other certain things like a tube and a couple other things and so i think it's really important that you know yeah as much as i want to be back on the beach you know you know having a beer with my friends and and just really being able to relax uh, my job's not done yet and so uh like i said going to st Clair for a week come back go to champlain for a week um, and then I got a, I got a bachelor party up in Idaho. We're going to go do some fly fishing up in the North fork. So I'm super excited for that. Get to hang out with a, a bunch of my really close friends. So that's going to be special. And then I fly back to California for two weeks to spend time with, um, my girlfriend and, and a bunch of my good buddies there and which I'll do some fishing there as well. Cause I feel like even if I take a week off, um, you know, it, it starts to slip. Uh, when it comes to like decisions and then like crisp of cast and, and, and cadence. And so, like I said, I, I feel really sharp right now. Um, when you're back home, get that whiteboard going again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Win St. Clair. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Hey man, it's been great having you on the show. Any, any final thoughts for uh, the listeners? Um, what, you know, just, just kind of giving you an opportunity to kind of close out this interview and, uh, what do you got for folks out there? Well, uh, well, for one, thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely, uh, it was a really good time talking with you, man. And you know, and I, I like to just encourage anyone out there that, um, 
like I said earlier, you know, if you, if you're truly, if, if, if tournament fishing is something that you really want to do and it's something that you're truly passionate in, devote your life to it. I mean, be smart about it. You know, don't go bankrupt. Don't lose, don't, don't like lose a marriage over it, but there's ways to, to make compromises and there's ways to still chase a dream. And whether it's, it's tournament bass fishing, or you're just trying to become a better angler, um, just really put time and effort into, you know, all the subtle things, putting time on the water when you can and, and, and try to be present and try to learn as much as you possibly can. Cause there's, there's so many great teachers and, and, and I think, uh, I've been really blessed being able to learn from so many good people, um, and, and just drawing a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of knowledge from every single person I get to share the water with. And, um, and yeah, so, <sighs> I always try to stay positive. I tell people always keep a little high in your heart, positivity in your mind. And, um, and I think that that's something that, that really kind of keeps me in a, in a right mindset. And, and I think it's really easy for a lot of people to kind of get derailed after losing a big fish. And, 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 and what that does, it starts like that downward spiral. And then it gets to the point of the, it hits the chassis and then the wheels come off. And, uh, and I think it's really important to, you know, I, I always repeat it in my, I'll give myself 10 seconds to feel sorry for myself after losing a big fish. And after that, shake it off. It's spilt milk and all, what are you going to do from that moment on to get yourself back in that position to catch another good one? And, uh, and so, yeah, um, I appreciate, um, I'm going to give myself a little plug here. If you guys yeah, have uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, I put every single tournament that I do, I vlog. Um, and I do it in a very unique way. I, I went to film school in Hawaii. And so I'm a storyteller. I love to, you know, I, I try to make it entertaining and informative um, to my viewers. And that's Maddie Wong Fishing on YouTube. And then uh, I'm pretty daily on my I, on my Instagram, which is just Maddie underscore Wong on Instagram. And, uh, and then I also do an in-depth dive on all of my equipment um, and baits and everything like that on a separate Instagram page called Capture Fish um cool. and so uh yeah so you can also go back and you'll see lengthy videos where i'll go live and talk about everything and then i usually post those videos up afterwards and then for you guys that don't do the instagram but do the facebook's maddie wong fishing go ahead and like that page as well and um yeah send me a message i i i, I truly like enjoy you know getting back to people um because all i want to do is just share the passion that we all have as anglers and uh you know, it's, it's such a cool sport that you can do it when uh, I was two years old, when I first picked up a rod and I, and I hope I can, I can fish to the day I die. Lake Wilson, two years old, Matty Wong developing into an elite series pro pretty, oh. pretty amazing. I actually had a chance to fish in Hawaii. I went there uh, about seven years ago. It okay. was on uh, Kauai. Uh, yep. I think. Yeah. Right. There's a small yeah. lake over there. It's got some peacocks in it. There's um, peacocks, there's largemouth, and there's yeah. smallmouth on Kauai. There's actually over 30 reservoirs, but a lot of them are private. Wow, and, uh, cool. and a cool little thing is, um, I, sorry to cut you off, but there's no, great. Hawaii's very first high school bass fishing team were these kids that I kind of helped, like, kind of kick them off and encourage them. And um, I actually just found uh, the team a boat to go and compete in the, the high school world championship up on lacrosse. And so it's pretty cool to see, you know, a group of like young teenagers, like all stoked on fishing and uh, it just, whatever I can do to like give back. So it's, it's kind of neat that, you know, that help put Hawaii uh, on the map when it comes to bass fishing. So all I can do is just help 
you know, inspire those kids too. Super yeah. cool, man. Always an inspiration. Thank you for sharing your passion with us, Maddie. Great having you on the program. Man, bottle that up. Capture fish in your next three events, dude. So uh, have fun with that. We'll, we'll, we'll hopefully see you again here before the year's out. Maybe another episode here of Bass Edge Radio. But until then, everybody stay tuned. I'm going to be back with some final thoughts right after this message. You guys. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champion. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro. A rush of tournament adrenaline. Nitro, the choice of champion. Where performance meets play. Nitro, a big water beast. A pure fishing machine. Nitro, release the champion within. Nobody wants to run out of power when they're on the water. There is a better way. Introducing the Charge Marine Power Management Station from PowerPole that does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system. PowerPole Charge. Big shout out to Dave Mansu and Maddie Wong for being on this episode. Couple final thought kind of takeaways that I've had through the program. First off, with the uh, showcase and Dave Mansu being with us, the free rig. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to fish this also pretty regularly over the last several weeks. Um, don't sleep on this technique. A great technique. It takes a little time to get used to. Um, a little time to understand how to get that bait separation so that so that uh, lure is is really kind of you know flowing freely out there uh, for for a bass to ambush and uh, really it it's a power finesse technique is the best way I can describe that free rig. Um, you can use big line, big rod, uh, you know heavy action, medium medium heavy action stuff uh, because you're gonna really need that power for that rod when you're pulling into those fish. Um, but uh, the free rig, I feel like is gonna be the next drop shot. Um, I kind of wonder a little bit, you know you, you talk to anglers about Texas rig fishing. Some anglers exceptional. Texas rig anglers. I, I remember I've learned a lot of my Texas rigging from Harold Allen. Uh, spent a couple seminars with Harold, uh, seen him on the water several times. A big question for anglers oftentimes is Texas rigging is do you, do you peg the weight or not peg the weight? And, and you get different explanations for that. I can see where not pegging the weight from a Texas rigger, uh, rigging, rigging angler, um, can, can shade light 
to what this free rig does. But because of this, this uh, essentially Reigns has a drop shot weight that has the uh, circular um, kind of swivel that will allow it to not be abrasive to your line and run freely up and down, which is what you need for that free rig. And I, and I see where that came from, potentially some bites with an unpegged sinker at times on the Texas rig. But now with the free rig, it's exaggerated. You can really get a lot of separation from that lure to the weight. So I think everybody should try that. Check it out. Um, you can get, get, get you some range, drop shot weight, the cylindrical weight with, with the round tie would be perfect. There's a couple other manufacturers out there that, that make some stuff, but uh, try the free rig. Appreciate Dave uh, bringing that to us. And also thank Dave again for being a part of my youth fishing camp down here at Lake Amistad. Always a great time. And, and man, it sounds like maybe with the passion of Matty Wong, we can get him involved in a future fishing camp. We'll have to see what his schedule is over the next, next uh, summer. But um, man, thanks to him. You can see why Matty's a fan favorite, man. He is just a ton of fun. Um, just, you know, really kind of I don't know, maybe it's from his background a little bit, but he, but he's got this uh, this aura, you know, that's a friendly, like, I've known this guy for a long time. I, I've never talked to the dude before, but I felt like through our interview, uh, we, we had a connection. And, and I, I think he's got that connection with a lot of people, and that's why he's a fan favorite. Just a super nice guy. Hopefully to see Maddie continue this momentum that he established on the Sabine River with that top five finish, his first Elite Series top 10. He's putting in the homework, and he talked about putting in that homework. If you want to take your fishing to the next level, put that time on the water. Is there a magic sauce? Not really. Not really. The Elite Series anglers put in a lot of work. They have the passion to put in that work. That's why, you know, Maddie talks about being off for, you know, five or six weeks. And, and although I'm sure he wants to be home, his, his girlfriend wants him to be home, his family wants to see him and, and all that stuff. He knows that, that he, he's got to put in his time and, and, and utilize that passion that he has to establish some, some quality finishes here in these last three events. So it's going to be fun to watch that. Uh, events coming up, man. Uh, all kinds of stuff going on in the second half of June. Again, just remember Bass Edge airs on the 1st and 15th of every month. So obviously this 15th episode, the, the uh, BBT at Cayuga just finished. We talked about that in the pre, uh, in the opening segment. We also talked about the Sabine as well. But coming up, you got a Bassmaster Open out there in Oklahoma on Lake Yafala. Um, Talk to Dave, kind of getting a little glimpse of the uh, conditions out there. Warm water could be could be an interesting kind of that summer event. So we're going to see how that goes down. Then uh, MLF, the Invitational, is going to be on the Potomac River. Um, I know you're getting a lot of jackpotters out there on this Invitational stuff. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how that boils down, how it affects the Angler of the Year. The Invitational Anglers that are in for all six events looking to you know tap into the Bass Pro Tour. You're going to take those, I believe it's the top eight in the AOY, uh, into the Bass Pro Tour for 2024. So a critical event out here on the Potomac River coming up. I believe it's their fifth of six events. Um, that is June 17th through 19th. Then June 22 through 24, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be up at Lake Champlain doing the uh, Toyota Series 
Uh, should still be some spawning fish left. We saw them all spawning here at Cayuga just a couple days ago. So I'm imagining up in the upper, upper reaches of New York, still going to be some spawning fish, but probably some a lot of post-spawn fish too. I know it's going to be a huge field, over 230 boats. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes down and how Champlain handles the pressure. Uh, we saw it last year, just, you know, guys just demolish them all year long, and there was a lot of pressure on the lake. Um, but lastly, Bass Pro Tour also going to Lake St. Clair. That is their next event coming up June 24th through the 29th. Uh, guaranteed there'll be a lot of Elite Series anglers probably tuning in to see the conditions as they unfold on the MLF Live. Uh, if you're a bass fishing fan, there is plenty of stuff to watch over these next 15 days. So it's gonna be it's gonna be cool to see how everything goes down. Want to thank you for being here for another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to come back with us on July 1. We'll talk about these events, have some new pros right here on the show. Stay tuned with us all summer. We'll be running live from New York as well. So it should be interesting how everything goes down. That's it. That's the show. See you all next time. Adios.